Emmy. Welcome to the Emmys of 2005. Yes, the Emmy Awards, and you you are the recipients of the Emmy Awards. <laughs> you are winners. Well, thank thank you for uh, having been here for uh, the past couple of days, and even those of you who have been here just for a day. We've been talking about an extreme makeover that God can do uh, on us, uh, in us, and through us. And this is our, our last talk together, uh, looking at extreme makeover and what God desires to do uh, in us, inside and out. By way of review, we looked at the renovation of the heart, how God changes us from the inside out and gives us a new heart, changing our heart of stone to a heart of flesh, one that is responsive to his spirit and one that beats with his heart. And as we would cultivate that heart of flesh, as we would build on that new foundation, we begin to develop new habits in our life, habits of reading the scriptures, habits of prayer, habits of Christian fellowship, uh, habits of worshiping God. And those things help us to hear that heartbeat and uh, be in touch with what God desires for our hearts. And this morning we talked about the shape that God has uniquely created us each with, with spiritual gifts, with heart, a heart of passion and desire and interests that motivates us and that drives us and directs us to certain areas of work and certain kinds of work and certain peoples that we can serve. Uh, a, uh, the word shape uh, also contains the letter A, which stands for abilities, natural talents and gifts that you are born with and you are in the process of developing as you go to school and as you find new hobbies that you're in this phase of discovery. And I encourage you, if there's one thing I can encourage you with is while you're in school, try a lot of different things so that you can really see what God has given you to work with and what you can really grow in, um, really experience life as you have already done uh, at this retreat. I, I'm amazed at how much creativity the uh, game masters have put together for family time and scavenger hunts and punishment. Incredible creativity, and I hope you will continue to cultivate that creativity, not just within Lighthouse, but that Lighthouse would be a shining light to the neighborhood and to the world. Uh, P for, for personality and E for experiences. That rounds out the shape that all of us are born with, and are growing into and kind of filling into our own skin. Now, as we uh, understand how God's made us and we live out of that and live the life that God has created us for, it's really a life of freedom and not obligation. I know while, while we're in school or even while at work, we're, we're under this performance evaluation thing or we're graded for what we do. Well, God, God gives us a... Uh, free, a license of freedom in Christ. So uh, if I'm, I can use the image of the Garden of Eden, uh, when God gave Adam and Eve the command, do not eat from the tree of knowledge, the, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it was just one tree of thousands of trees in the garden. And God has given us in the same way, the same freedom to pick from any tree to work in the garden any way we'd like, but just you know, just don't cross the line where God drew the lines. 
it's very simple, but somehow there's part of us that get obsessed with that one thing, the forbidden fruit, the forbidden thing. And, and yet God has given us a plethora, all kinds of things that we can be involved in, not, uh, not just in a particular country, not just in a particular people group, not a particular profession, but whatever it is that God has shaped in your soul and being. And I, I hope that I have been able to uh, help you see some of that, uh, of what we have in Christ, the freedom that we have as we listen to the voice of God that's embedded in our shape. To take the metaphor a little further, Extreme Makeover Me Edition is really about you. We've talked about your shape. We've talked about reality shows. And you, you are that reality show. So when you claim the name of Christ and you say you are following him, the world is watching your life. Now, you may not look too different on the outside, but when you claim the name of Christ, people are watching you. Not voyeuristically or gawking at you, but they're watching your life. Seeing what, what difference does following Christ really make in, in your life? How, how do you behave? How do you speak? Uh, how do you make choices that are different from someone else who is not following Christ? And so people are watching you. And the encouragement that Jesus gives us is that you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. And Lighthouse is a very apt and appropriate picture for who you are, that you, you are the light of the world. You are the extreme makeover that people are watching and they want to see. Well, if God can do that in your life, you know, maybe you can tell me how God can do that in my life. And tonight I want to wrap it up with saying how, how you can live that life uh, of, of a shining light, how you can live a life that tells the story of God's work in your life. Well, a few, few points to reflect on about why we tell stories. First, the Bible is mostly stories. About 75% of the Bible is narrative and 15% poetry. And yet, a lot of times in our Bible teaching, we like to stick with the commands or the... Uh, the theology of things, but but yet the Bible is mostly story. And so as we read the Bible and we understand that it's a story, it's a story with characters in it, with a plot, with movement, with uh, conflict and resolution, uh, it helps us to see that our life is like that too. And so just as the Bible is mostly story, so is our life as we go from day to day it's a story that builds on, uh, builds on as we live from day to day, year to year. Secondly, we tell stories because Jesus told stories. Mo- most of the time when Jesus was doing his teaching, it was in the form of stories. And stories are a very effective way of helping truth be put in a form, form that has feelings, and has emotions, and it draws the listener in, and it helps a truth or a principle come alive in a way that a philosopher or a um, engineer can, uh, can plainly state the principle, but it just kind of falls flat. But a story makes the truth come alive. 
makes it incarnate, just as Jesus made God come alive and help us to see who God was really like. Thirdly, stories touch the heart and mind. Not only does it have the principles embedded within the story, it can also move the heart, move the soul, move our emotions. Not in a manipulative way, but helps connect with our whole being. This morning we talked about loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And, and we're holistic beings. We have more than just a mind that just thinks. We have a heart that also feels. Stories help capture that. And fourthly, we, we are telling history. We are telling his story. Your, your life is not your own. We're part of a grand narrative of human history and what God is doing uh, through his people to be a blessing to all the nations. And we're a part of that story. So as we would tell our story as a part of God's story, we bring glory to him and we help make God's truth come alive. And that's why I started our conversations with my own story to help you see how God has done some things in my life and I want to encourage you to share your story. Now stories can be told in many different ways. Uh, you can sit in front of an audience and talk, but many of you are creative enough. You can take photos and do a photo essay. You can shoot videos, create films, you can write, you can um, record audio shows or create a podcast. That's the latest and greatest thing, right? Or you can create a play. So there are many ways to express the story of God in your life and in the life of your community. Now I want to share one verse with you tonight, and then we're going to spend some time telling stories. 1 Peter 3.15. Next slide. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. This is written in the context of Peter to, um, to his audience about suffering while doing good. And in that context, the people watching these Christians who are following Christ uh, and yet still having hope will be aroused with curiosity and ask them, what, why do you live this way? Why do you suffer for doing good? And this verse has often been used um, to train Christians to give a defense, to give an answer, to give a reason, to uh, line up the arguments for believing in Christ. But I want you to see... Uh, Two words that are often, three words that are often overlooked in this in this verse. Those three words are "Who asks you?" I want to round out this verse by not only focusing on preparing the answer, and, and you do that as you learn in your Christian walk, as you learn from Bible teaching, but I think. I think the verse also tells us to live in such a way that we arouse curiosity amongst those people around us, that they would ask, what's different about you? That somehow the way you live, the way you talk, 
arouses curiosity. It causes people to say, hmm, he, he or she is different. He's not like everybody else. And they will ask you to give the reason for the hope. Somehow they see hope in your life. They see that you are living with a reason. They see that you are living for something beyond getting the next paycheck, going to the next class, doing what you're supposed to be doing. That you have hope, something beyond the daily grind. Be prepared to share that story when people ask. Ingredients to a great story, just to give you a framework for how you might tell your story. And this is based on the great story of the Bible. Four ingredients, creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. Every story begins with the creation of uh, a, a setting of peace, a shalom, a peaceful story. Think of the movies that you've seen uh, recently. What's, what's the popular movie this summer? Oh, I haven't seen that one. So Batman, I did see Batman. Okay, Batman Begins. And, and, and how did that story begin? Batman Begins. Shh. How that story begin? Batman begins. Yes, what happens with Batman? The opening scene. Yeah, he's with his parents and they're watching a play, right? Well, I know he wasn't Batman. It was um Bruce Wayne, okay? Little Bruce Wayne watching the play. Okay, I'm, I'm messing it up. Or, or there's conflicting versions of Batman. And what's beautiful about Batman Begins is they deconstructed the whole story and rebuilt it. Because the first three movies of the franchise just really kind of made it too goofy, if I can say that. <laughs> and, the new, and the new Batman Begins really recaptures the story with its darkness and with its angst and made it come alive again. So I'm showing you my bias. But the, the story begins with a peaceful scene. And that fall describes the conflict. The conflict comes in, the parents are shot, and so little Bruce Wayne... Did I ruin the story? Did I ruin the story? Did I spoil the movie for you? I'm sorry. It's a... It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a, it's a very common story. I, I didn't mean to spoil it for anybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> so conflict, conflict comes in in the biblical story of the fall. And, and so the, the scene is no longer ideal. It's no longer at peace, and we've got conflict. We've got a mess on our hands. And what's intriguing about a great story is, well, how is that mess going to be fixed? How is justice going to be served? What's going to become of these people that have gone through tremendous tragedy? 
And then that's and the next phase of the story is redemption, and we watch redemption unfold and happen, and then consummation describes the end state, the the place of peace again. And and what makes stories great is having gone through the uh, conflict and the tension and fighting evil, whatever that story may be, or finding lost love, and and, and then you know consummation and celebration. And, and it moves our hearts because we, we love to see uh, good triumph over evil, just like the biblical story. That God is in this process now, as, as we too have been, been fallen because of Adam's sin, and we, we too know our own frailty well enough that we, we are not perfect. We make mistakes, and sometimes we feel very sad about that, but yet God is in that work of extreme makeover, of redemption, to restore us to himself and to use us in a mighty way. And one day we will be in his presence. We will get to celebrate the things that are happening in our lives as, as those things would happen. And we wait on God and we walk by faith. Well, I'm going to uh, practice some storytelling uh, tonight. I want to share with you one of my favorite uh, summer camp retreat memories. Now, I, I didn't grow up in church, so I don't have the experiences that you have, but I did, uh, I did participate as a counselor in my um, seminary years. So this is about 10 years ago, and you might know some of the players. Uh, uh, Harmon Lee, one of the songs that we sang tonight, was at a youth camp, very much like this. This was um, in East Texas, I think over at a place called Pine Cove. And they had cabins that were separated from the, uh, the girls on one side of the camp and the guys were in a separate part of the camp. And during the last night of the camp, we, ha- we had some scouts that, amongst the counselors, that picked up uh, there was going to be a breakout. See, we, we, we counselors at that time enforced a strict curfew and, and these seniors wanted to stay up late and wanted to hang out with the girls. You know. But they were on a separate site to the camp. And so we, we got word, we sniffed out that there was going to be a breakout during the last night. And so the counselors got together and we had a meeting. If you've noticed, the counselors here have a lot of meetings too. So we, we, we counselors had a meeting and we plotted a counter-strike. And Phil, I think Phil was in that game too. That's why he's laughing. And so, so we we set up a overhead projector pointed at the uh, exit of the senior cabin. And so, if anybody tripped tripped out, they would be blinded by light, and they would be you know scared and go back go back to bed. Secondly, we set up a scarecrow. So we used a basketball as a head. Where we found some clothing and had this guy slouching uh, about ten feet outside of the cabin. It's not, but it scared them. And, and so nobody broke out until 1, 1 or 1.30 in the morning. And then the broke out still happened. These guys, these guys, like, painted themselves in camouflage. They had backpacks of stuff. And then they found a back way through the woods. But one of the counselors has lots of animals, so he, he heard animals 
or uh, he heard dogs barking in the background, so I was like, oh, they're going out the back way. So we, we sent some guys out there, and we hunted them down, and we kind of picked them up by the shirts and said, hey, fellas, no breakout tonight, and we escorted them back to the cabins. And I'm sure there's more to this story because, you know, after the fact, we found out there were still two or three others that took an alternate route apart from the gang and still hung out with the gals at night. They didn't, they didn't do anything crazy, but just the idea that they would break our rules really frustrated us. <laughs> Anyways, it, it was one of my sweet summer camp memories, and I know that you would do nothing like that. <laughs> because this is such a small camp. I mean, where, where are you going to do your breakout and, and, and camouflage? All right, all right, all right. That's, that's my camp story. And your, that's my camp story, and you're creating your own. And so glad you're here. But I also want to invite two people up to share their story of what God's been doing in their lives. Um, I, I was glad to see I see the new Lighthouse website, and it mentioned a trip to uh, Tijuana. So I want to invite up Justine and Warren and just have a brief interview for them to share their story of their time there in Tijuana. Come on up, <laughs> Justine and Warren. Justine, Justine, sorry, Justine, sorry. Is she still here? Justine? Yeah, come on up. Give him a hand. Warm up. Now, the, no, now the number one fear that people have is public speaking, and the way to overcome that. The way to overcome that, particularly because we're we're, we're storytellers, we're, we're God's storytellers, and so having practice helps us to share His story. So I just want to ask them a couple of questions. You know, how did they decide to go, and what happened on the trip, and and what what do they what words of encouragement do they have for us? Okay, so I'm gonna go this way because they're standing this way. Okay, just think. How did you decide to go to Tijuana? Um, I decided to go since um, this was my first missions trip, and also since it was my senior year, I wouldn't get to go as a student, I guess. And also other people said it was a um, very good experience. Fantastic. And what happened on that trip? Um, a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Name one or two things. Um, I just saw like how God... Um, did more than I could ever have imagined, I guess. Yeah. Fantastic. Now, what, what, uh, what happened on that trip? Like, what did you do? Um, basically, we went there. Um, it, there are, like, two parts of the trip. There's, uh, we went to L.A., and we trained, and uh, we, we got ourselves ready uh, spiritually, and, and it was basically just sort of like a retreat. And then uh, we, we went over to Tijuana, and then we, uh, that's where we built a house for a needy family. And uh, they're just living in, like, this little shack with just, like, 
garage there's a garage door for one of the sides of the houses and it was like really run down and yeah so we just filled the house for them and um we also put on skits for uh like sort of a vbs for the little kids and um and we went we also went to an orphanage and uh we also did vbs there and uh we helped paint some some things there did, uh, did you do anything special? Uh, what he said. What, what did you like more, uh, painting or hammering? Hammering was pretty fun. Ha hammering's pretty fun, yeah. Especially when they have those automatic ones. Okay, no. Oh, all right. Peter used that. How many people went? About 30, is that right? There, oh, 31, sorry. Just have a show of hands of all the people that went. Wow. Any last word of encouragement for others that might go in the future? Um, yeah, I guess I'd encourage you all to uh, to go because I wasn't really expecting much, I guess. And uh, God showed me up, I guess. He was like, pwn your face. <laughs> also, um, just like the things you learned there, I guess you just remember them for future uh, times when it's like hard, and you just remember those, and they'll help you get through them. Fantastic. Justine and Warren. That's awesome, and I'm sure the other 30 of you will have opportunity to share your story as well, because it's it's unusual for people to travel so far to build a house, to show kindness, to share the story through skits and VBS, the love of God that we've been so blessed to have. Well, close with a verse and a story, and then uh, answer some questions that that. Um, that we've uh, you've submitted to me. Uh, John 14:26 to 27 gives us a wonderful promise of how the Spirit of God that's living in us, that's given us that heart of flesh, will help us to know what to say when when those times are needed. John 14:26-27. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. There will be times when you have the opportunity to share God's story. And God will help you to remember the words to say. It's the heart, sharing from your heart, that really impacts people. And again, our theme verse, just to recapture our entire weekend together, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us 
the message of reconciliation. So we have a story to tell the world. And God is going to give us those opportunities. People watching us as that extreme makeover happens in our lives, they, they will ask us, what is that hope? What is it that makes you different from the other people at school, the other people in the neighborhood? And then that, that's your chance to tell the story of God's love. So, as we become sheep, easily led by the voice of God, the way, and the way he's shaped us, we'll have many opportunities to share, share that story. And one more story, uh, and, and we'll close. This is called the eagle story. Someone once told me a story about a wounded eagle who was rescued by a kind farmer. He found the bird in one of his fields, and so took him home, tended for, for his wounds, and then placed him in the barnyard to recover. Strangely enough, the young eaglet soon adapted to the habits of all the barnyard chicken. He, he learned to walk and cluck like them. He learned to drink from a trough and peck the dirt for, bur- for food. And for many years, he peacefully resigned himself to this new life on the ground. But then one day, one of the farmer's friends spotted the eagle and asked, Why in the world is that bird acting like a chicken? The farmer told him what had happened, yet the man could hardly accept the situation. It's just not right, said his friend. The creator made the bird to soar in the heavens, not scavenge in the barnyards. So he picked up the unsuspecting eagle, climbed up to a nearby fence post, and tossed him into the air. But the confused bird just fell back to the earth, scurried off in search of his feathered chicken friends. Undaunted, the man grabbed the eagle and climbed to the top of the barn. And as he heaved him off the roof, the bird made a few half-hearted squawks and flaps before falling into a bale of hay. And shaking his head a few times, the eagle then made himself comfortable and began mindlessly pecking at the pieces of straw. The friend went home that night dejected and could barely sleep as he remembered the sight of those powerful talons caked with barnyard mud. He couldn't bear the thought. So the very next day, he headed back to the farm for another try. And this time, he carried the eagle to the top of a nearby mountain where the sky unfolded in a limitless horizon. He looked into the eagle's eyes and cried out, Don't you understand? You weren't made to live like a chicken. Why would you want to be down there when you were born to the to soar the skies. And as the man held the confused bird aloft, he made sure the eagle was facing into the brilliant light of the sun. And then he powerfully heaved the bird into the sky, and this time the eagle opened his wings, looked at the sun, and caught the updraft rising from the valley and disappeared into the clouds of heaven. You know, we were created for so much more. Not, just, not to be like chicken in the barnyard clucking away, but we were created to soar, to listen to the heartbeat of the voice of God in our lives, and to soar, and to accomplish great things for the glory of God. That's the extreme makeover God wants to do in you. That's the extreme makeover God is doing in me. And I pray that God's heartbeat would beat with your heartbeat, your heartbeat with God's heartbeat.
to really make a difference in this world. Let me commit this each of you to God in prayer, and then I'll answer a few questions. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this weekend together. Thank you for uh, the opportunity that you've given me to share a few words from your word, to share my story, and to share the story of what you're doing in our lives as we would follow Christ. Help us to realize that we can be sheep that are easily led by your voice. Help us to realize that we can be the eagles that soar, that accomplish great thing in your great things in your name because we have the Holy Spirit in us. Because you love us. Because we can do all things in Christ who strengthens us. I pray for these young men and young women that where, where you would lead them, they will go. And may you show your love and show your strength, show that your grace is sufficient for all that they would dare to dream and go forth with courage to accomplish. I pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Earlier we passed out index cards, and if there's a, still a few questions that you want to ask, um, you can write them down and pass them up to the front. We have time for a few questions, and I want to um, answer a few of them that, that have been submitted. So one of the questions that uh, we received was, how do you walk, how do you live by faith? How do you live by faith? One of the best definitions of faith I found is uh, right here in the scriptures, uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. And Hebrew le- Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Uh, my understanding of living by faith is having that conviction having that belief, though, though it's unseen, but having that belief that God is with you and, you and you can take that next step, whatever that may be, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in a particular class you need to take, whether it's a conversation that you need to have, you take that next step by faith because you, you're, you're walking with God um, you're living in obedience. You're you're not you know outwardly and and uh, having an attitude about uh, sinning. So you can take that next step of faith, living by faith. And as you do more and more of that, your faith grows, and you can take bigger steps and bolder steps to be an example, to make an impact, to to confront evil or to heal a wound. All kinds of things that God can do through you as you live by faith. A couple questions I got tonight. Uh, how hard was it to give up the stability of an engineering career for the uncertainty of ministry? Uh, 
do you ever regret it? Uh, good question. I, my, my undergrad was in engineering, and then I got a master's in theology at Dallas Theological Seminary. I pastored for about five years, and now I'm working in nonprofit. Uh, stability in, in the global environment now is kind of overrated, and it's not promised anymore. And so um, not only is engineering or ministry or really any kind of job, um, the world we live in now, there really isn't that kind of stability where a person can sign on for a job and work there for the rest of their lives and retire. Uh, that's just not the reality of our times. And so um, I think the statistics say that you know, most of you will go through seven to nine career changes. And that's very normal now. And so as we would listen to the heartbeat of God in our lives and understand how God's created us, we, we may go through many career changes. Um, and I'm kind of a poster child for that. So I've gone from engineering to uh, ministry and now to the nonprofit world. Uh, I, I don't regret those things because I, I was obeying the voice of God as much as I understood at the time. And God sometimes takes us through different seasons of life and sometimes takes us through many different career changes. Um, I, I didn't do uh, ministry out of uh, bad motives, and when I ended that phase of my life, it wasn't for um, terrible things that happened. It was just a, a change, a transition. So um, that's the way I would answer that question. It was hard leaving the ministry, and it took me a year to really process that because it took a lot of emotions out of me, and it, it did bring some confusion because I felt like, well, when you're called to ministry, isn't that, isn't that it? But uh, for me, it wasn't it. It was one part of uh, many parts, and now I'm doing what I'm doing, uh, working in nonprofits. Okay, how did you know it was God's will? and not just a crazy idea. Sometimes I wonder. <laughs> uh, discerning God's will is, is a very popular question, and it's one that uh, many of us wrestle with, and even uh, I wrestle with at times now. Uh, discerning God's will comes from walking with God, uh, reading the scriptures, prayer, and counsel from friends. Uh, decision easy for certain personalities is not easy. You know, uh, and here, here's a quick way to test it. When you walk into a McDonald's and you look at the menu, does it take you three minutes to decide? <laughs> okay, just, just an illustration. Okay, so, so sometimes decision making doesn't come real easy for some of us, and, and I'm counted among those. Even though we already know what's on the McDonald's menu, right? Okay, so uh, sometimes decision making doesn't come easy, and and it takes more prayer on our part, and the counsel of wise people, uh, good friends that are around you who who know you, uh, who can pray with you and affirm where God seems to be working, affirm where you show genuine passion and drive and desire affirm where you're very talented and very gifted, uh, even when we have doubts amongst ourselves. So 
those are helpful things to have. Hold on to the Word of God in your spiritual life, but also hold on to friends. And one of the most valuable things that I've seen uh, over the past few days in being with you is the friendship that you have with one another, that you're doing life together. You have a lot of fun together. And I hope that would also spill over into your spiritual lives as well as you would grow in the Lord and grow uh, with each other. Okay. Any other questions? And then, and then um, I think that will be it. I'll just, I'll just ask them if there's no cards. I know the young ones are anxious for snacks. Is it snacks next? Campfire. campfire. Well, it's snacks, then campfire. We made the change already. All right, you've been you've been a great audience. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it.